Fresh, I have to tell you. So almost everyone I know is making babies right now. Mm. Like that's just a fact. For because sure. Of the pandemic, people got bored, and they and they they ended up making children. Yeah, not always intentional. It's sometimes it's like a side effect, but it's nice. Yeah, and sometimes intentional too. It's yeah, a it's miracle either way. For sure. But I thought I would share um, some advice that I learned when I had my son. Mm. Um, because the first thing I wanted to do when I had Mo was not be a bad uh, father. That's a good rule. Oh. Yeah. Or be a bad husband. Because oh. I think that's the piece that people miss often. You know, it's like they get so focused on, oh, I need to like, not be a neglectful dad. Sure. But then they, they end up being a, a, a bad spouse. Yeah, it right? should be noted you had been married for quite some time before you had your child. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. We, we'd been married for like eight years. <laughs> so true, true. Anyway, so I, I found this book that was like, uh, you know, how not to be um, an awful uh, husband and sure. father at the same time. And the thing that it talked about was love languages. Okay. And I... I have found this immensely useful. Do you know how these work? No. I'm going to probably butcher it, but I think it, it's helpful for us as people who are playing a game together mm -hmm. to know how to communicate. And the way this works is you want to make sure that you are giving uh, what the your partner wants to receive. So say that like, I I am providing for you. You are very bad at video at, at, at it takes two. Sure. And then I'm kind of carrying your load. Okay. Right. And I think that's like a nice thing that I can do for you. Right. But what you want to receive? I is mean, just, you did just you know, insult my ability to play it takes two. So. Don't don't worry about that. I'm I'm, okay. I'm I'm a very good husband to you. Fine. But what you want to receive is just a freedom to have fun. Right. Oh. You're not here to like win. Yeah. You're, you're here to like enjoy time together. Sure. So that's a, that's a, there's a conflict there in in our love language, right? Okay. So like, what what would you think that like I want to receive from you as your friend partner while playing this game, or just in general? I think just in general. Um. Uh, like bagel bites. Oh, that actually, you know what? You 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 picked it right off. <laughs> I, I thought you would not get it. <laughs> I I thought he's oh, gonna man, say something sync. like praise sure. or financial support. Uh, but but what I had in, in the top of my mind was bagel bites. Fuck yes! And you Here, know let what? Me, let me let me let me see if I can do um, okay. what what you want. Hmm. Um, uh, allergy medicine? Not yet. No, oh. we're not there yet. Maybe in about three weeks, I will want some Allegra. But until then, no, not yet. What, what is the gift that I can give to you? Um, yeah, anti reflux medication would be great. Um. <laughs> Uh, and uh, service, just in general, like providing service in my life would be helpful. Okay, like goods and services. Goods and services, yes. You don't need goods, you do need services. Desperately, desperately need services. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, should we get to the video game part of the podcast? Let's do it. My name is Russ Rushing, and I know the best game of the week. You really, really undersold it out of fear of starting in a 10. You started out yeah, a 10. That Do you want to try it again? Uh, try it one more time. Wait, so are okay. we building it up or building it down? No, we, we've already, you started out a 2. We need to get to a 10. We oh, need to get it, people excited well, to I'm listen not to yell. our show. I, I already promised people I won't yell, but yeah. My 
Thomas Fletcher, now the best game of the week. And my name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best game of the week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Besties, a video game club. It's a video game club. <laughs> if it seems like I've never introduced this show, I think that's true. I've never introduced this show. Um, you might notice we are missing a couple of very valuable uh, attendees to the normal podcast in uh, Justin McElroy and Griffin McElroy. Uh, Griffin is busy. He's going to be busy for a little bit. Uh, everything's fine. And uh, Justin um, didn't play this game and decided, eh, he's just going to take a pass <laughs> this week. That's fine. It's a two-player co-op game, so I totally get it. But I am joined by my lovely uh, marriage partner here, Chris Plant. Uh, and what are we going to be talking about, Chris Plant? Today, we're going to be talking about It Takes Two. Uh, it is the new game from Hazelight Studios, which they made a way out. I, I don't know if people remember this game. It's the Prison Break uh, mandatory cooperative multiplayer game. And before that, they made a game called Brothers, which I believe we actually talked about on the best. I think you're probably right. Ten, nine, ten years ago? Ages ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and this game is about a couple who probably should get a divorce, uh, who are turned into toy dolls uh, by their daughter, who does not want them to, I guess, hate each other. And then they are given advice and put in scenarios by a magical talking book. Yeah? That sum it up? Well done. Well done. I'm looking forward Great. to talking about it. This episode of The Best These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So... You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so it takes two. You mentioned that uh, this studio makes co-op-centric games. I guess this is the only sec only the second one, because Brothers, their first game, was played solo only. You couldn't play it in co-op. So this is the second game that they've made that is co-op exclusive. Um, you didn't play it uh, A Way Out, correct? Their previous game? No, I, I watched quite a bit of it. I know that you can play Connect Four. You're, you're supposed to be escaping the law, Johnny Law. Sure. You can stop and play board games. I, I mean, it's important that. for mental health to take a minute. It's true. Um, yeah, I didn't play it either, uh, but I do know that everyone that I've spoken to that did play it is really in love with it. Like, people really fell in love with 
uh, I don't know, the gameplay and the like campy, like Fast and the Furious style story. And um, yeah, people were really, really attached. A lot of people that like do not play games very often, I think were brought in by people who do play games, like uh, a partner at home or something like that. And um, I think that made for, for like a really good experience for a lot of people. So I'm not surprised that they're coming back and doing yet another uh, co-op centric game. They're really making this their own, this studio. Yeah, and this seems to be bigger, like cost more for yeah. starters. Um, the production value at time is quite high. Uh, for for people who have not seen like a trailer or are having trouble picturing it, whether you play it on the couch or you play it online, it is still split screen. So uh, uh, in our playthrough, I played as May um, and uh, Fresh played as Cody. I was on the left, Fresh was on the right. Uh, and you need to have it split screen so you can see what the other side is doing to help you solve puzzles and each chunk of the game uh basically is a different type of gameplay so there's a chunk that is kind of like gauntlet or diablo ish where each person has different powers one of the parts early on that we really liked i, th I think was fresh you had a honey that could weigh down mm -hmm. um physics objects but could also detonate if i fired my matchstick rocket launcher yeah it was like expo explosive goo that i would use uh to set you up to do something like cool and explosive um and you mentioned the split screen thing which i was really surprised by the, the fact that you are in split screen even if you're online but in playing it it makes a ton of sense because because they wanted this co-op experience me being able to see like, oh, Chris is stumbling around on the other side of the wall trying to figure out a puzzle. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be a neg, but I guess it was. No, it, it's true. <laughs> but even when that happened, I would be able to look at his screen and be like, oh, maybe you should try this or maybe you should go flip this switch. So it actually does make for a more co-op experience. Whereas I think in a lot of co-op games like this, where everyone has their own screen, there's a lot of moments that are like, well, I'm just waiting for the other person to figure out what the hell they need to do. Or maybe they're like clumsily trying to explain what they're looking at. And that isn't super fun. So this was kind of really helpful, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it sacrifices, I think, the visuals at times to do this. Mm -hmm. But it, it's, I think, a, a smart trade-off. I, yeah. I wish developers did this more often. Yeah, and um, I would, I would, I want to, since you mentioned the visuals, it's worth mentioning, like, from a, like an art design standpoint, I think this game is like, incredible looking like you really there are a number of areas that are like really pretty detailed um you're basically shrunk down into like little doll forms so it's a very honey i shrunk the kids style thing where you're in a tree or you're in like a barn or a garden stuff like that but like artistically i think the game actually really succeeds in creating these areas and making them look cool yeah i think the best part of the game is the visuals yeah and then um the gameplay is a little more hit and miss, and mm -hmm. we'll we'll talk about the story last because yes. that's a, that's a whole uh, it's a whole thing unto itself. But the gameplay, I, I I I'm curious how you think about this. It felt like a tour of like Nintendo 64 era game design, mm -hmm. or maybe Sega Dreamcast. Um, none of the mechanics are particularly surprising or sure. innovative. It's stuff you've seen in other games, and it's kind of the first level of all those games. Uh, but you know. Having a WarioWare-like tour uh, of, oh, now we're doing uh, puzzle platforming. Now we're in an action-adventure. Now we're in kind of like an Uncharted-like 
set piece um, is fun when it's moving quickly. The, mm-hmm. the problem, uh, at least for me, was when it slowed down and it was like, okay, we're now at the 50-minute mark of doing the same yeah. puzzle over and over and over. Yeah, so I think the biggest struggle that this game has, and like they created this challenge for themselves, so I, I, I definitely know that they were uh, sort of trying to tackle it, is because the game with every chapter as it progresses is introducing a completely different mechanic. So we mentioned the like goo explosive thing in another one. Uh, my power is that I can shrink or get really big and C- plants power. He can like flip gravity. So like each chapter has its own thing. And so you're really making like six different games in one game. And all of those games need to be fun. And they just, a lot of them aren't, I would say like, maybe half of them are like pretty fun and then maybe half of them are just like eh, kind of a drag. Um, I do agree that like when the game gets uh, fast, it's like easier to get through the like draggier parts when there's like a cutscene where you're running away from a giant creature or something like that. That's exciting. That's fine. The epitome of this is there's a there's like a sequence where you're in like a toy castle and one of the puzzles you need to solve is that goddamn metal ball rolling wooden puzzle, you know, where there's the two wheels and you have to like shift the metal ball around. You'd find it at like Cracker Barrel. Yeah. No one, I'm telling you this, there is no one on the planet that finds that fun. No, maybe in like 1910, when it was either that or the cup and ball, it was a fun toy to play with. (laughs) Now there is no one on the planet that finds that fun. And if you're putting that in your game as a mandatory thing that you need to do, you just need to not like you need to cut that part out. And I think that's the big thing about this game is this game's not short. It's like a 10 hour game for a all co-op experience. That's pretty long. I, they really there was so much that really just needed to be trimmed to make the every single moment be that like really great, fun, exciting moment. And it just isn't that. Yeah, there's there is a fantastic five hour video game in here. Again, ignoring the story, if you, I, I think it really is the beginning. Um, which, uh, if if you uh, do decide to play this, which I, you might be worth it, especially if it comes to Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you are not, you know, connecting with the beginning, I don't think you're going to connect with much of the game at all. Yeah. Um, but if you enjoy the beginning, I think you'll also enjoy the final two chapters. But it really is when you get in the middle and it starts to feel like okay, this just had to get padded out. And it, it's, I, I I hate to speculate, even though I'm going to do it a little bit, but I, I do wonder how much the pandemic affected this game because there are parts of the game that feel significantly, significantly lower quality mm. than uh, other parts. Yeah. Visually speaking, um, play speaking, the user interface looks like it, it's temp. Like, it's yeah. just like, uh, it shouldn't even be there. Um, and it, it, it's jarring when that happens. Yeah. Um, I, before we get too negative, I, I, I do want to, like, there's a lot of weirdness in this game. <laughs> well, for <laughs> sure. better and worse. And, and I, I think that's what will get people to give it a shot. So, can you tell me, like, one or two of your favorite truly bizarre moments? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know we shared this moment. So, pretty early on, there's a moment where you're in a tree and you're uh, sort of ordered by a bunch of squirrels to attack uh, a wasp hive for a variety of reasons. Um, Suffice to say, a lot 
a lot of things happen in that tree. And at one point you start hang gliding on a pair of men's under like boxer shorts while the other player is manning a minigun to fire at squirrels as they're flying at you and explode them to death. And you're then killing. Yeah, you're killing squirrels. And then uh, there's like a Street Fighter style fight sequence on the wings of the uh, hang gliding uh, underpants. The game, I wish there were more moments like that because it was truly bizarre. And that is, I think, the like the heights of bizarreness. I think there are lows of bizarreness that do not work nearly as well and are honestly a little bit disturbing. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about that. The, the big question of this game uh, is like, who is it for? Mm. And like, especially what age is this, per- this game for? It looks like a family game. Yeah. But it is a game, again, about a couple considering divorce. Um, and they are, uh, I-, I found them despicable. Like, I-, I one, I don't think that they should stay together. Two, I don't think that they should be with anybody. Yeah. Um, I think they should take some time for themselves and then then consider relationships. Um, but their plan to to uh, become human again is to make their daughter cry on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they think that like their daughter cried tears on on these toy dolls, and that got them trapped in the toy bodies. And now, if their daughter can cry on them on them again, they that will somehow revert this. Why they think this will work, they have no reason. Yeah, no, to it's believe. just it's literally the first thing they come up with as oh, this is how we're going to reverse the spell. And they just spend like five hours trying to accomplish that mission. <laughs> this is the first half of the game. Yeah. And then the thing that they decide on to to accomplish this goal is to murder their child's favorite toy, mm-hmm. who is a very cute, uh, small, plush elephant queen. Yes. And the way you do this is you do kill her. Um, while she begs for her life, yeah. Um, but but it couldn't just be simple as like, oh, you push her off the the the, I don't know the the clothes drawer and she breaks. Like, do you want to explain what sure. precisely happened? Yeah. So it's a, and it's important to note that they are saying repeatedly, oh, we need to kill her, we need to assassinate her. They don't say like, oh, we need to like break a toy. They keep using like kill and assassinate. Like this is a living person. Um, but like them, they are like living dolls. This is also a living stuffed elephant. Um, and the way they go about this is they essentially rip one of her legs off. And again, it's a stuffed elephant. So granted, the visual is just like an elephant, stuffed elephant getting its leg torn off, whatever. But while that's going on, you hear a very well voice acted person acting out, hey, no, please, stop, don't, don't. Why are you doing this? I love Rose, your daughter. Do not do this to me. And slowly but surely, you drag this elephant while she continues to scream for her life to a cliff. At one point, her ear gets caught on a thing. Well, so so this is, it's played as as a, as a joke. And it, it, to be clear, I think this would be funny in a different game. I think you're probably right. Because up until this point, the game has not been South Park. No, but at this point, while you're dragging her, it just so happens to be that there are lots of sharp, pointy objects on 
the top of, of yeah. this piece of furniture. And she keeps grabbing onto them, which sends them flying into the air and then pinning parts of her body so that when you try to drag her, it will rip off that part of her body. So she like sends like a clothing needle up into the air, which pins her ear down. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep pulling on her, which rips her ear off. Yeah. And Again, you're like, she screams in agony. And you're tapping Y to like accomplish. It's like an actual like mini game where you're tapping Y to like accomplish these like graphic tasks against this elephant i was shocked i was like literally stunned uh in watching it and i found like yeah there's really not a lot of moments where i've played a game that i had that quite that reaction to it um because it was so disparate from the rest of the game which tonally is like a pg like family comedy and then we could talk about whether it's actually a comedy or not is another story entirely, but it's like totally out of the, out of the blue. Uh, and yeah. Weird. Well, I think, I think the, the transition between this and the story is the book of love. Yes. Um, the book of love is this book that may or may not be responsible for you being trapped in these bodies. Your daughter found it somewhere. Um, it is clearly like some trashy 1970s relationship self-help book um but it too has has been anthropomorphized and it is it has an accent that is i i I guess offensive would be the long short of it i mean it's like vaguely european and and as someone that uh, has had a number of guests on the show that occasionally dip into various accents i'm going to be a little bit sensitive here i don't but it's it's at the very least not great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it it is it rotates between like French and Italian and yeah. Spanish, nondescript, and then like kind of just, European would be the best I could describe it as. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. On top of that, it's not funny. Like that's right. that's like the 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 cardinal sin of this character is he he is intentionally annoying. Yes, the, the characters in the game despise him but it's not like a funny annoying it's like that movie clifford um he he is a very bad martin short character oh yes clifford Um, i thought you meant the dog no um (laughs) but he he he, he's awful um and every time the game does seem to be finding its soul and and it has like a run of fun going out of nowhere he appears to make it just completely dragged to or mm-hmm. like be forced to a halt. Yeah. Um he's awful and he epitomizes really what the story is cuz he effectively is the story. I mean, yeah, there are a few cutscenes without him. He is uh trying to make this argument of like why they should get together, why they should fix their relationship through like going through like very tropey cliché like you should work together and you should find your passion and like those sorts of like cliche self-help book stuff. Um, but it's delivered in such a way that like every time he shows up, you know, Oh, we we've got six more tasks to complete for this stupid book yeah. that we all hate. He, he literally halfway through the game after you have murdered your child's favorite toy, the, the game feels like it is ending and the book appears and is like, actually I, I physically will not allow you to finish the game until you collect these four pieces of paper. So then you know, like, okay, 
And then that's when the game really shifts into, okay, to get this one piece of paper, you have to go to this world. Yeah. And there are five zones in it, and each zone has three puzzles, and it just becomes a checklist. Yeah. Um, which um, is a huge drag. And I think even without the book, like, I think this game desperately needs you to care about the characters within it, uh, Cody and May, who are dealing with this, like, relationship drama. And... The, the writing just can't sustain that. Uh, the you know they constantly constantly are relying on puns and like goofy like like references like double rainbow, which are as old as time. And the, the Pringles jingle. Yeah, uh, once you pop the fun, don't stop. Like references that like no one is has any affinity for anymore. And I just like. Again, it sort of just reiterates that, like, we don't know who this game is for because for kids, you know, I don't know, might find that like punny stuff funny, (sighs) but the gameplay is so like dark at times. And then adults certainly won't find it funny and will probably find the gameplay like really slow at points. So, like, it does really struggle to like find its footing to the point where, like, I think they needed to bring in like a more experienced screenwriter or something to like fix the actual dialogue. And uh, I think they needed a producer to come in and say like, Hey, let's cut these chunks of the game and make like a really great five to six hour game instead of what feels like a very padded 10 hour game. Yeah. There, there are just a number of choices where it feels like less would have been more. I, I mean, down to the fact that these, this couple having a child seems like such a mistake The the, the, game has such little interest in this kid so while you are having this adventure (laughs) cody and may's bodies like their human bodies are still in the house cody is at his office staring out a window um totally vacant may is on the couch in the living room and their child is just walking around the house trying to talk to them and they're just not responding and for May, she's like, oh, this this usually happens when you have a migraine. And for Cody, she just kind of like, it's like, okay, bye. Cody is sitting at his desk, literally nothing on the desk, staring at the wall in front of him. And she's like talking at his back. And he is just like a zombie sitting at a desk because he's a lifeless body. It is really fucking bizarre. And at no point during the adventure does the couple, when they're dolls, are, are they like, man, I'm really worried about our daughter. I hope she's okay. None. No. And re- the daughter seems to think this is relatively normal. Yeah. She's like, she's accustomed to dealing with her parents in this state. So yeah, unintentionally, I'm sure, you get this sense of like, wow, these this couple is extremely neglectful. Then on top of that, all of the relationship stuff that the book gives has nothing to do with like being parents or being a married couple it is so much of it is devoted to hey remember life before you had that kid um it it never has the stomach to go into like the problems that actually lead to divorce which is like finances or like people having different plans about their futures or um one parent being neglectful like it, it it walks around it I mean, at best, but never, never looks directly into the sun, which ends up being a problem, which uh, we're going to talk. We're not going to say what happens in the ending here, but here is the like skip ahead two minutes if you don't want to even get like a sense of what's going to happen. Yeah, I want you to picture just like 
the least thoughtful way this story could possibly end, the most tropey, like, ABC Family style, before ABC Family got cool, tropey way that this story could end, and that is how this story ends. It is just, like, the most half-assed, like, well kind of yeah. ending in and, and and like i'm not surprised because that is consistent with the rest of the game to be honest but i am kind of surprised that anyone spent so much time and energy and money making this game that just ends on such a <laughs> i i genuinely feel it, we talk about who is this for i genuinely feel it would be irresponsible to have play this with a kid because I think it is so reductive and, and so simplified um, a really complicated mm-hmm. and challenging thing that, that a number of families go through uh, in a way that would be misrepresentative of, of those challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, I, I don't want to say all of it, but I, I really would not play this um, with my child yeah. uh, whenever, they could, whenever they could play it, uh, which is... Again, then at that point it is who is this for? I do not know. Um, so that's that. It, it is it's a a bit of a disappointment. I'll be honest. Yeah. I I wanted this to be better, especially um, because of all the weird stuff. I do think if it's on Game Pass, you're we're still in the pandemic. You need something to play with a friend. Mm-hmm. Download it. You can play it in hour-long chunks. The, the chapters break down to about an hour, well, an hour and a half For what it's each. worth, we don't actually know if it's going to be on Game Pass yeah, or I've, not. But it'll a way be out on EA's is, thing, eventually. If you are interested, A Way Out is on Game Pass, and people seem to really like that, so maybe that's another option. Yeah, and I, and I think this game, if you skip the cutscenes, honestly, um, might be enjoyable, you know, in an hour, an hour and a half chunks. Uh, it, but I would go into it knowing what it is. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that's it. It takes two. We did it. We played. We a game did together. it. We did it Yay. together. Yay! <laughs> Plant nominated me for playing this game, so I thank him. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. We're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want. Get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts 
and you get ripped off because he's got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile their wireless plans there is no catch $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan mint mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you you want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan or you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash besties that's mintmobile.com slash besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details Cool. So uh, we are going to try something a little bit different for the second half. Obviously, we've frequently had reader mail, but we're going to actually do an entire reader mail section uh, for the second half. But these questions are not directed at It Takes Two or uh, anything in particular. This is like an AMA style series of questions that you all sent to the Twitter account, which is the besties pod on Twitter. Um, if you haven't followed, please do, uh, it's a good place to get your questions in and learn what's going on with the show and stuff like that. So with that said, uh, Plant, you want to start off? Uh, sure. I'll ask this cause I have a feeling you'll have more feelings. Okay. Uh, this is from, uh, Posimandius. thoughts on the newly announced Pokemon games. Uh, the Sinnoh remake, Ar- Ar- how do you pronounce it? Arceus Legends? Arceus, I believe. Yeah, sure. Uh, and the new Pokemon Snap game. Are you looking forward to any of them, any apprehension, et cetera? Yeah, so I will say this about remakes, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily feel this way, especially with Pokemon remakes. I have no real drive to play them. I've played a lot of those games before, and they tend to play very similarly to how they did previously. I know they have new graphics and stuff, but it's not like a Zelda game where I'd want to replay it. I don't know. just doesn't really drive me. I'm sure Griffin feels differently, and we'll play it 10,000 hours of it. Um <laughs> Uh, I'll mention Arceus Leg- uh, Legends. Uh, it's called Pokemon. I think it's called Pokemon Legends Arceus or something like that. It is based on Japanese feudal Japan. It's like set in feudal Japan. Looks really interesting. It's like the gameplay seems different enough that it's like more it's open, open world, world. right? And you yeah. actually like throw Pokeballs at things, which is like a first in, in most Pokemon games or much more uh, directed uh, and uh, the Pokemon catching happens in like a turn-based scenario. So that looks kind of neat. I'm worried from a engine standpoint because that trailer looked pretty rough. There was a lot of like 10 frames per second stuff in that trailer, but I do like them trying new things with the Pokemon franchise. I think it desperately, desperately needs something on the level of like Breath of the Wild, just in terms of like rethinking what a Pokemon game could be. And maybe this will be that game, or maybe it'll be the start of them moving towards that game. Uh, Last one, Pokemon Snap. I'm excited to some extent. Um, I played this great game, Alba, on uh, Apple Arcade. Um, I think it might be on other platforms now as well, but it's definitely on Apple Arcade. And that was like, you are a little kid and you run around and you take photos of animals on this island. 
and it like totally triggered my like desire to play that sort of game. The difference with the snap games is that they're on rails and you kind of like follow very set paths and that is less engaging to me. I played the original on N64. I had a good time, but it wasn't like my favorite Pokemon game by any means. So I'm like kind of excited, but not like over the moon. Okay, next question. Uh, This one's from ChuckDuck365. If you had to pick one game absolutely everyone should play, what would it be? You can go. I'm not going to say the game that you think I'm going to say. You expect me to say like Nier Automata or Splunky or or 13. Or Earthbound. Or uh, no, I actually wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that anymore. Okay. Um, As much as I love it. Uh, Maybe Mother 3, but probably not. I I think the game that I would recommend everybody play, which is not going to make them all smarter or or better people, is Red Faction Guerrilla. I think that game rules. Um, and Red Faction Guerrilla is an open world game uh, from the 360 era. It is set on Mars, and you can destroy all of the environments with a hammer. Um, you're effectively playing as a guerrilla terrorist, the video game. Um, it's a, a wild, wild game, uh, and I love it. And you should probably play it on easy, as mm-hmm. as Freshick recommends. How about you? Yes. What, what would you recommend? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go in a very different direction and recommend Portal 2. Uh, I'm going to take a very broad definition of what everyone means in this scenario to include people that like do not play a lot of games. And I think Portal 2 for me does is sort of the like epitome of bringing together everything that games do really well on a lot, a lot of fronts while also being very approachable. Uh, It's obviously a puzzle game. It's incredibly well written. Um, It's very funny. It's very cinematic, uh, visually interesting, constantly moving, but also doesn't require like reflexes, really. Um, I think it's a great game to learn if you're like, I don't know how to play like with an analog stick while aiming Um, that kind of thing. Like no one's shooting at you. So you can really learn. That's like a good starting game. Obviously, the humor might not land for everyone, and I'm sensitive to that. I personally think it still holds up, but like I know certain aspects, it's really tough to make a humor game last for, you know, still be uh, okay after many years. But I do think that game is is really spectacular, and I think just about anyone who is interested in video games should play it. Uh, I, I have some rapid-fire questions. Okay. So we have to answer these, like, concisely. Oh, boy. Uh, Buzz Buds said... What is your favorite gimmick controller game? Bongos, fishing rod, skateboard, etc. Yeah, uh, I would definitely go Bongos. Good mention. There are probably other ones, but but Bongos jumps to mind. I, I got very into Donkey Konga when I was in college. Um, so uh, yeah, Bongos for sure. Wii Sports. I I, I know that's technically not a gimmick yeah, controller, but in, in the grand scheme of video game history, I think it will be. Okay, maybe. <laughs> if I if I have to choose uh, one beyond that. Uh, not that it's a good game, but the sheer audacity of it. Tony Hawk Ride is <laughs> yeah. just the funniest thing that they that they thought it was a good idea for people to put wheelless skate decks in their <laughs> living rooms. Yeah, very Ooh, weird. Just bold. Um, uh, another quick one from Joe Betts. What other art do you enjoy on the same or similar level as video games? Oh yeah, I really enjoy like very thoughtfully produced television stuff. Um, so like, um, the, um, what's his name? Noah uh, FX who does Fargo and, uh, Legion. Uh, yeah. Noah Hawley. Noah Hawley. Uh, his stuff I think is really great. I, I like 
self-contained stuff, uh, stuff that like is, you know, starts again after every season, I think generally tells more interesting stories within that structure. That's probably the like thing that jumps to mind for me. Yeah, I like audiobooks um, for walking, uh, mostly fiction, every once in a while, a little nonfiction. And uh, during the pandemic, I've become obsessed with the Criterion Channel app. Um, and that sounds like, oh, very hoity-toity. Uh, I love my art films. And yeah, there's some of that. Like I watched Kurosawa's High and Low, which it rules. And uh, I recommend everybody watch that movie. It is so good. Um, but it also has stuff like Death Race 3000 on it. You know, I watched a ton of 1970s horror um, during the fall, um, including like some really weird early stuff like Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I, I love that stuff and, and I recommend it. Um, one other quick one from Jish. While Justin is gone, what are your real feelings on FMV games? <laughs> okay. I think if there was an example of an FMV game where the acting was like particularly good, I'd be like, okay, dope. Totally. Generally speaking, it's really super not, and I think they're dumb. <laughs> I, I, I love Sewer Shark as a nostalgia token, um, but that's ab about it. I, I don't have, I don't really have a lot of love for, um, I don't know what I'd call it, like adventure point and click games yeah. in general, and I think a lot of FMV relies on that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if, like there's ever been a moment where I thought FMV like elevated the experience, but I do not, I can't think of anything. Mostly in like an ironic or cheeky way. Yeah. You know, sure. like that's all I can think of. Uh, uh, Dog of Thunder said, I've never played near. Why should I play it now that it's on game pass for PC? So fresh, you're actually playing it right now. I am actually after three years or however long it is, I'm actually playing near, I'm playing it on Xbox uh, Game Pass, but it is also just recently added to Game Pass on PC. Here's what I want to say. Man, <laughs> so the beginning of the game, I'm like probably five hours in, is not fast. It's, it's fun. I like the core gameplay of it, but like it is pretty damn slow. Um, and, the and I probably would have stopped playing had I not known the like extreme praise and everyone's over the moon in love with it. And I would say the music is absolutely spectacular. Like that is instantly apparent very early in the game. But the game itself, you know, I don't, as we probably all know, I don't get down on JRPGs very often. And tonally, like that's what this narrative feels like. Like it's a lot of stiff, like robot people talking to each other and it like doesn't do anything for me. But I hear that it gets much more interesting later on. If you've got nothing else to play and you subscribe to Game Pass, given all the praise and everyone absolutely loves it, seems like a good time to play it. But keep that in mind. Slow stuff. Yeah, it, it, it is definitely one of those you need to give it 10 hours. And I know that is a ridiculous demand, so I don't expect people to play it. Pretty regular. I, I would say on Twitter, I get a lot of people saying, thank you so much. This game rules. I'm so glad I played it. And I get a lot of, hey, I'm 20 hours in. Do I need to keep playing? Yeah. And like my answer to you, if you get to that point is like, no, like sometimes the game just isn't for you and that's totally chill. Yeah. You, you shouldn't feel bad about that. Um, uh, do you have any, are there any other questions here that stick out to you? Yeah. You want to talk about how you got into games journalism? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I mean, sure. I, 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 Fresh and I started at the same company 
um, it is no longer in existence. Uh, both of us freelanced for a while, and then we uh, co-founded Polygon. That's the long short of it. I, I, there, I don't think there's a lot to glean from um, how we got into it for other people to get into it. I think uh, most people who get into games journalism get into it in a variety of different ways. And I think it, every year has changed, like the best, quote, best method for doing it has changed dramatically. I cold called for an internship, 0% chance that would work today. So like that yeah. gives you an idea of like how much everything has changed. Yeah, um, it, for for people who ask, because we we do get this question a lot. I think Mr. Crafty, Mr. Crafty was the one who asked this one. Yeah, uh, no, um, not Robert LePage was the one who. Asked. Okay, sure. Um, uh, right now, what I would tell people is like one, write for yourself, and two, if you are comfortable writing for very minimal rates, but want to participate in like a group of people who are pursuing a common goal. I think a place like Uppercut Crit is a place that I, I really admire the work they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think um, p- partnering with other people who are at a similar point in their career, maybe a little bit ahead of you, is a good way to like climb up. Um, I The first place I wrote for uh, was a place called Game Set Watch, which also doesn't exist anymore. But that was where a lot of uh, people who were around my age were writing at the time, like Lee Alexander and I, Chris Graft, and now we're all at kind of different points in our career. So I think finding peers who are about where you're at in, in, in your path uh, is really advantageous. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I like this question from Rosie Buttoncups. What the actual shit is a exercise game? Periodically on the show, someone will say <laughs> something is a good game to play while exercising, and I cannot wrap my head around what kind of exercise you boys do that allows you to play a video game. I feel the totally same way. So this goes to Chris Plant. Okay, so I have uh, a, I don't know, like a standing desk bike or, 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 or indoor cycle. I don't know what you would call it, right? So I can just pedal. And I've gotten to the point where I can turn that to the maximum setting while still holding a controller and playing a game on my PC. So I switch out my, my chair for the, the uh, indoor cycle. I pedal away and then i do have to play a certain type of game uh it, it can't be like really precision based the assassin creed series great for this because everything that that entire game is broken up into like three minute bits right you're like moving into a camp or you're traveling or you're pursuing a, a little item that you want to find um there's not a lot of load times. Uh, I think that's really important. If this is something you're like serious about, I would recommend getting a good hard drive uh, because cutting out load times is is a top priority. Weirdly, though, my very favorite game seems to defy this logic uh, of playing on the bike was Death Stranding. I played the entirety of Death Stranding on the bike, and it was fantastic. And I I have to wonder if there was something to the physicality of the bike mm. matching the physicality of the game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, it never felt tedious or like a grind uh, when I was on the bike. So that that is the sort of thing I play. I do, I've do. i done one or two mouse and keyboard games. I don't recommend it. It's gross. Like sweatiness alone yeah. is not great. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think action games and uh, shooters. I played most of Doom Eternal on a bike. Um stuff like that yeah, eventually i think i've just kind of gotten good at it um like any acquired skill 
One last one, I think, for the question section. Uh, this question comes from Millzor2890. Please finally put this to bed. Which game won Besties Game of the Year 2015? The wiki st is still inconclusive. Here's what I'm going to say about this. The episodes are canon. So what happens in the episodes is your answer. Look within the episode and there is your answer. I cannot expound beyond the core canon that is the episodes themselves. Wow. I feel like I know even less after <laughs> that answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh cool uh thank you so much for all those great questions uh we got a bunch more so we really appreciate it uh we might bring this uh segment this broader ama segment back uh sooner rather than later because it was really fun and interesting um but uh plant do you have any uh honorable mention stuff you want to talk about no i don't think so okay. oh, oh uh no 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 okay no. Uh, I'm playing Nier, as I already mentioned, uh, and we'll hopefully get to the good part soon. Uh, <laughs> next week, very exciting, we are going to be playing Monster Hunter Rise. Y'all, this is a legit game. This is a game. This is not like, oh, maybe this is a game that just came out of nowhere and no one had ever heard it before. This is a game that was one of my top three most anticipated games of 2021. I'm very excited to play it. I've only played the demo, which I enjoyed, but this is a game that we're all very excited for. Um, and so, yeah, tune back. Uh, Justin will be back. Uh, it's my first Monster Hunter. So if you, if, you, if you have not played a Monster Hunter, I will be your vessel. You've never played a mo any Monster series. Hunter? You didn't play World? Zero. Wow. I spent zero minutes in, in the Monster Hunter world. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I'm a little okay. worried. Uh, me too. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here at the Besties. Uh, for Chris Plant, I'm Russ Frustick. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more video games. Does Justin say anything else at the end of the episode? Yes, shouldn't the world's best oh, yeah. friends pick the world's best games? And there and you go. There you go. Besties. Well, at the end of the music, but yeah. Besties. Steve.